Sisters. We're here in Sydney together. Sunny Sydney. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. It's nearly May and it's 24 degrees and sunny blue sky. We're not going home. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, great. Cool. Please, please stay. Tell Claire we're staying in her house. <laughs> <laughs> we just went to a cafe for breakfast this morning um, and I asked for a yo-yo and they didn't know what it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's a melting yeah. moment. There you go, yep. So I know them both, by both. I know them by both too, but I would always say yo-yo. Yeah. You know, mm. The girl had no idea. I had to say it three times and then I'm like, ah, oh, what do you call it? <laughs> That's funny. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Best discount. It's good. North of the border. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, we've got Tam, Ursh and Shell here. Uh, and we are keen to chat today about the whole idea of calling or purpose, but particularly calling, because my thoughts are, as I've been wrestling with this myself personally and doing a bit of coaching and <laughs> conversations with other people, is that I feel like the Christian culture has really idolized this idea of calling. Wow. And that. Is it a Christian jargon word? Like, as a non-Christian, do you use the word calling? Well, actually, I've, I've noticed Seek have used it okay. in their advertising, which surprised me because I thought it was a Christianized term, but I have heard it pop up. It's less common, yeah. but it is out there. But yeah, I think it's probably stemmed from a Christian yeah. or religious thing, I think. Mm. Um, so what the secularized word would be, what, vocation? Yeah. Passion? Yeah. Mm. I'd say so. And Christians are using vocation a lot too, mm. I think. But yeah, I basically I think that the concept of calling has paralyzed Whoa. a lot of people. Perhaps, perhaps maybe just the conversations I'm having, but the under forties, but probably anyone really. But we put we kind of idolize this idea of you must find your calling and live that out. And that's what God's created for you. And and if you're if not you doing it, you're missing out. You're yeah, you're not living out the fullness of what you've been yeah. created to be and Stepping do. Stepping into God's fullness of blessing and yep yep it's it's pretty exhausting yeah i can imagine do you guys agree no (laughs) i don't agree that it's exhausting i think it's i think there needs to be discussion around it it's like anything it's with god just because you find the thing or the one doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean like you're suddenly going to become a millionaire and all and i think that kind of thing has been taught a lot but what if you can't find your calling I like, think everyone has it. It is, is a it? matter of just what is calling. What's your passion? What makes you happy, and what makes a difference in the world? Even if that is how you do it, even if that's you're a cleaner, and you or you're a tidier, and you love tidying other people's work. It's not just the job; it's the why. It's the why of the job. I think. So your calling is tied to your work. Not necessarily, but I think that's the ideal. I think it's the ideal if you can be. So uh, my thing for this is, um, I think it was Thomas More. So remember we talked a few episodes back. Not not (laughs) Sir Thomas More. (laughs) Thomas More, the ex-Catholic person, who said your soul is looking for a home, which is like attachment to something. Your spirit wants to grow, and so it's looking for detachment and adventure. And the way that we stay in the spirit is by finding a job that we love. That could be job with money, I guess, or job not with money. Finding something that you love. Podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Like, that's how you keep growing and that's how you... If people could pay us, we'd do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
Yeah. I, think, I think it's vital. I think it's a, a core part of who we are as human beings is what to is? find the work, paid or unpaid, that resonates with us, that helps us grow, that makes us feel like we're contributing in a way that's valuable. Yes. So it has to be making a difference in the world or to someone or something? Yeah, I think so. so it's got to have meaning to it. Yeah. So it can't just fulfil you? Mm. Well, if you're fulfilled, you're going to be more fulfilling to other people, are you not? <laughs> Maybe. I found, like, there's a guy called um, James Lawrence who's got a book called Growing Leaders, Reflections on Leadership, Life and Jesus. Mm. And so there's a chapter that my mum actually gave me to read around calling. And it's, it's pretty more focused on people in ministry, perhaps, mm-hmm. which I think is another thing that is definitely being undone at the moment but has been perpetuated throughout the church mm-hmm. is this idea that if you're called into ministry it's a higher calling mm-hmm. than anything else yeah, right. I think that's really changed yeah, I think that has too. changed but I think the, I think maybe for the baby boomers it's still a thing I noticed like yeah. Um, yeah the older generation still ha- ha- yeah they're still I don't know like it's enlightening for them to think oh I'm still called outside of it maybe that's a harsh thing but I've just noticed I think the older generation has worked to it I think they're like they're more cynical. They're more jaded. I would find like more the younger people still need to be taught that church is not the be all and end, like the Sunday service. Hmm. And by younger, I'm meaning like those before they start leaving the church. So like the teenage years, there needs sure. to be more input in there about yeah. Anyway, read as you quote. So well, his his point was that there's sort of two types of calling. So the primary calling is human beings to respond to God's call about. Um, faith and discipleship, the work of the gospel, sounds very Christianese, but Mm -hmm. that idea of loving God, basically, with all your heart, soul, and mind. So that's kind of, everybody's called to that, first and foremost. And then the secondary one is responding to God's particular purpose for our life. And again, maybe I get stuck because it's like, I feel like I have to write a statement of what Mm. that call is. And, you know, people do say, you know, what's your mission statement? Mm. Can you articulate it in one sentence? And do you think we have one calling over the entire breadth of our life? Like that's, I find that quite limiting to think, you know, I have to find that as a 20-year-old and, you know, if we... I think there's a core thing though. Mm. Like when you drill down into everything, like, you know, you've done those things where you go, like, what do you desire? And when you drill down into it, what do you really desire? Mm. Like, when I do that for a lot of things in my life, it drills down to you desire peace and nice aesthetics, basically. Okay. So everything comes back to that core thing. Hmm. Everything that I'm aiming for, looking for. But how do you relate that to your calling then? But that could be the calling, and then the thing is you have different assignments over life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is I what like I say. Okay. So you have yeah. an assignment in your 20s, which is yeah. whatever, whatever, and then it's going to look really different in yeah. your 60s and 70s probably than what it does then. But that, that same thing yeah. is true. That's like the, so the picture I had in my mind, I think I did with like coaching once, was you have an umbrella over your life, like you're the stick person holding the umbrella. The umbrella is like your calling, your core thing. And then down at your feet you have all these suitcases and they're your different assignments that you pick up and put down at different points through your life. Mm. But they still have some connection, ideally, to that overall um, arching umbrella. And if it doesn't, I think that's when people start to have burnout, feel mm. jaded, because <laughs> you're at war with yourself. And within that, though, so for your peace and aesthetics, there's still, 
your own personality makeup within that as to where you put your energy isn't there because mm. I know people that have worked really hard and burnt out and it's not that they weren't within the umbrella necessarily mm. but they were probably in a position or the assignment mm. that was outside of so more pastoral but forced into being more like a CEO business mm. type and yep. that just over time wears you down and spits you out yeah, I mean, well, one of the big things about creative people is just that you do the same thing over and over again, you burn out. Uh-huh. And so if you think in a church context of creative arts pastors, mm-hmm. which I think the lifespan usually of most creative arts pastors is three years. Wow. They've done, like, um, yeah, tests on it. And it's because there's always another Sunday, there's yeah. always another thing, yeah. and it's very similar and same-ish mm-hmm. in what you're achieving. And so, yeah. yeah. Never pushing really their boundaries. And, yeah, yeah. 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 What about you, Tam, with the the TED Talk person that we were listening to? Oh, so being a multi-potentialite. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. That and I really like that idea of the umbrella. Not that I even know that it, I could drill down and find a theme, but maybe I could. I don't know. You totally could. Yeah. But, yeah, I like the idea of the suitcases. That really fits nicely with my many um, things. Yeah, many things <laughs> that I like doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I was reading a, um, was reading an article by Sarah Bessie, um, and she was talking about calling. And her quote is, "There isn't a one and done nature to our discipleship." Mm. So it's like, yeah, I suppose it's that suitcase thing mm. that you you don't find something and go, "All right, that's it. I'm done. Mm. This is it." You know, and then I, I guess that can be the whole burnout thing, can't it? If you think, yeah. well, this is this is my calling. God's called me to do this one thing. Mm. I need to do it well. I need to do it in this way. In this way, yeah. all the time. These people. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I think, I think it's nice to know that you can play, like have fun mm. with your calling as well. Like it's not just. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that term vocation can also sound a lot like work, mm. which makes it sound like it's going to be maybe, yeah, a drudgery. Yeah. Whereas it's nice to know that you can have a bit of um, fun and play mm. around with your calling a bit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that would be a message I think that perhaps I've needed to move away from growing up in more Pentecostal circles. So. Like, like let's say from like a church culture perspective there's the idea of the um, senior leader who usually plants a church and then is with it till they die mm-hmm. kind of thing and it's very much looked in suspicion upon the more mainline churches that like someone has a tenure for five years or ten years it's like oh you're not really in it you're not really committed for the mm-hmm. long haul you don't really carry the heart of it whereas I mean I think it can be both mm. but you know if like in you know many different people will bring different things to a situation and like change and Hmm. yeah and so I think it's almost kind of seen as a failure if you don't stay in something for 50 years stay in one church or with one group of people or you know that you're not you're not kingdom minded you're just in it for your own self yeah yeah and when you move on it's because that sheep's clothing that's what's that scripture you know the one about like um you know the idea that some people are really there for the sheep and some people just come in and then they go. Yeah. I can't remember the scripture around it, but that kind of thing is a concept of like, wow. yeah, I think that's something I've had to let go of. Yeah. That's really, that's the idea that, yeah, there's a calling and one assignment, isn't it? 
absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there's something suspicious or wrong if you move from yeah. that. And about that suspicion thing, something else in that um, Sarah Bessie article was how people use that word calling to justify yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God called yeah, me. Yeah, God called me to this, so you cannot yeah. call me. It. Yeah, you can't question this. Yeah. You can't call me up on it, yeah. which, yeah, is probably something completely different, but... No, I think that's a big thing. Maybe that's why people have some suspicion is because some people have misused that word in the whole Christian jargon way mm. and yeah, used it to mm. put themselves beyond reproach. Mm. I think there's a couple of other things that I've become more aware of as well. It, it, and again, it relates maybe to that picking up suitcase idea as well. Of And maybe it's cultural broader culture rather than Christian or maybe it is in Christian culture that I don't know we feel like in our 20s and 30s we really need to be absolutely living it and if we're not we're mm. wasting time or um, do what you love love what you do yeah that idea which is um, whereas uh, is it Bill Clinton who does the level five leadership is talking about you really come into your absolute calling sweet spot in your 50s and 60s mm. Um, and even Richard Rohr, I think, with his Falling Upwards book, is starting to look at that idea of you're not dead in the water. Yeah, the <laughs> second, second, second half of life. Second yeah. half of life. And, to not, and actually, right now, in our 20s, 30s, 40s, it's about character development as much as it is about skills and experience. Mm-hmm. And as really an achiever type, I have found that quite useful to take a bit of the pressure off feeling like you have to be doing everything right now. Mm-hmm. It's more about what am I learning, what mistakes am I learning from, how did I handle that well or not so well? Yeah. How would I do it differently next time? And try to add that into hope or pray that that builds towards whatever that yeah moment in time will be where it feels like everything converges yes. more so. Whereas at the moment it feels quite scattered. Like I'm picking mm. up things and having a go and then dropping them and moving on to the next mm. thing. And it's almost about discovering yourself in yeah. that. I mean, what do you guys think, like take either any job or like the worst job you've had or a job that was short-lived or whatever that was for a season like what did you learn out of those moments like what do you know what I mean like everything teaches you something you come away with something I took a job at a cafe and I didn't even (laughs) make it past the um the induction or whatever the trial period because I talked too much kitchen like you know washing or on my break chatting to the people working I got in trouble you pretty much um, learned from that that you yeah. needed a job where you were allowed to talk yeah, though right. <laughs> that was exactly I did learn from that like wow yeah. that's not my place yeah <laughs> I think I mean for me I feel like I've learned to well time will be the tester of this but trust your gut more like if you're in a toxic mm. situation like there's been a couple of times I've been in workplaces that I think have been quite toxic or at least toxic to me and my core values um, is that like to trust that mm. from the beginning like mm. I can look back at jobs and go I pretty much knew from the interview or day one yeah. that this was going against the grain for some of my core beliefs and I probably should have left earlier or not taken them the yeah. jobs up at all mm. but then you do what you have to do mm-hmm. in the space you need, too. you need to get paid too yeah that's <laughs> yeah. right yeah so yeah we live in such an ideal like an yes. ideal era and yes. location, let's be honest, to even yeah. be having this conversation. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's true, trust your gut. And, yeah. and also the, the sense that you can't change a culture on your own. Yeah. If you go into mm. somewhere and you think, 
I can come in and bring this or I'm going to enlighten people around me or, mm. you know, I think, or as a woman, I'm going to bust through the ceiling yeah. and change how they, you can't. Yeah. I, and you, you can't, can't make everyone happy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. I, I have learned that as much as I thought it was a bit ridiculous, but it's true leadership absolutely sets the tone. Absolutely sets the culture. Yeah. And yeah. if, like, I remember working in a corporate job and the, the head leader just was a workaholic, mm-hmm. would smash through a bottle of wine himself each night, working there till midnight, mm. and that was the culture. So if you left at six, you were seen to be leaving early, yeah. you know, and it, yeah, it totally shapes the way you show up in fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is fine, like if you know, you might go, oh, I'm going to do that for a couple of years. Yeah, I want the experience and I want the name on my resume. But I I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that type of leader. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, Which comes down to that thing of, I think it was Mia Friedman, but I've heard it said in different ways. And I think you had a really cool diagram about this show. Mm. So I might want to jump in. But the idea that like you have like a job, that's what pays your bills. Um. You have, and it gives you, I guess, purpose and structure to your life, and you contribute to your life because, you know, that's one of the things they say is work is actually really important for mm. everyone to feel like they're contributing to society. Um, then you, there's your career. So some people just have a job, and that's fine. But some people have a career in that job, like they want to mm. reach the high levels. They're aiming for something, and they know they have to start at the bottom or whatever and work their way up. Yeah. Um, then there's like your vocation, your calling, and then there's like your dream. Like, I just want to whatever not Sing work at all and travel Taylor the world Swift or something yeah like <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I don't but <laughs> I couldn't think of anything on the spot okay it's like it's something that you know it yeah it doesn't mean it's not legitimate but it doesn't really have a basis in reality necessarily yeah and that's where I think you know the concept of if you just work hard enough you can achieve all your dreams I feel like that comes a little bit into Christian thinking as well too yeah and that's yeah cool. yeah yeah, and yet you do see people that do that single-mindedly yeah, go after something. Yeah. I've never done that. Yeah, but it's yeah. like it's chance and timing and hard work. It's all these random things that have yeah. to come together. It's not just hard work. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking that you sent a diagram. Yeah, I'm just like, opening that up. So I'll talk to that. mission. Um, <laughs> but we can put this on the Facebook group actually because it yeah, is. Yeah, be um, This was provided by Bron, another disruptor who have been chatting to about this stuff and. Um, she's got a book around purpose, which I'll also yeah, put in the thing because we probably should reference whose diagram we're stealing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you love it, the world needs it, you are paid for it, and you are great at it. Those are the four circles. Right. And where where the you love it and you're great at it overlaps is your passion. Where you're great at it and you're paid for it is your profession. Yeah. Where you're paid for it and the world actually needs it is your vocation. And where you love it and the world needs it is your mission. And in the center there is your purpose. Wow. It's, it's hard to do, and, and I, like, it's really hard to identify. Have a crack, shall huh? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying. I think there's themes that you get. So yeah. to your point around what you've identified, I think that's so helpful. Mm. And then there's going to be layers that you add to it, I guess. Mm. But, um, my coach sent me a couple of articles, which, again, we can share, but um, this wasn't a Christian thing, but six ways to f- fresh ways to find your passion um, just quickly touch on them. So one was starting with the right perspective. And I thought this for me was really helpful. It's like you don't go into a restaurant saying I'm hungry and then you say there's nothing on the menu that I want to see and I, I won't want to eat any of it. Like you actually have to go, 
I can find something. I yeah. will uncover it because I get a bit paralyzed mm. by the overwhelming nature. But if you want to actually have a go, get out your metal detector. So finding out what are those peak moments where you feel really energized mm. and engaged. And yeah. trying to, again, if you're not an introspective person, which I'm not, I probably don't pick up on that so mm. much. So I try to have a rhythm of identifying the umbrella mm. idea, which you talked about. Um, discerning between a hobby and a profitable passion. <laughs> That's key. So true. Oh, this, it, you can. If, I mean, this is what the aristocracy, like you look at a lot of artists and writers that, not all, but many who made it in times gone by, they were either patronised or they had, they were wealthy aristocrats who had nothing to do all day but sit around and paint mm. or write. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it I is. I mean, it's a that's a huge privilege. Yeah, it is absolutely. Yes. yes, we go onto that like-minded bitches drinking wine Facebook page, and yet yeah, literally, I'm embossing boxes with people's names on it. <gasps> wow, I need some of those. How much do they cost? I'll pay anything for them. And people are having conversations like, "How do you make money from that?" Yeah, but I think it's also in this age of like that wouldn't have worked twenty years ago before True. social media, and yes. now you can become potentially famous quite easily <laughs> that's true and it also depends on are you the one having to bring in the bulk of income for your family or yes. can you be free to have a go that's right. it's like i said it is a privilege to yeah. be able to do what you love often mm. yeah yes yeah. most people don't have that and i think choice. that was one of the things i said so again like in that creative arts space it's not just at churches but because i had this conversation multiple times with young people who were like involved in the worship team and all they want to do is write songs and sing and it's like you know what unless you're in Hillsong or Planet Shakers you're probably not going to earn your million dollars yeah and have, have a, a backup a plan <laughs> yeah but also yeah have a backup plan which I know so many schools of thought go you can't have a backup plan if you're really going to yeah. go for your thing you've just got to go wholeheartedly so I guess there's no one size fit all but the idea that doesn't have to be all or nothing like you can um, I mean, so one of the great, um, great friends that I met over um, time was um, Stephen Roach, I think I've mentioned before, has the Makers and Mystics mm. podcast. Incredible musician, like one of the best musicians I have personally met, like multi-instrumentalist, you know, like grew up in a very artistic kind of culture, but ha- has a window or had he only recently, like after maybe 20 years of being in this industry, just sold his business but he was a window washer so he would travel the world he was one of the best you know musicians I'd ever heard you know amazing teaching to creative arts people you know has multiple albums and podcasts but still to support a family Mm -hmm. like had a window washing business Mm. that he built up and built up and and a lot of people would see that as a failure yeah like I think a lot of people go well if I still have to support myself by doing something that's not my calling yeah then I'm failing at my calling but he obviously wasn't yeah absolutely and And that's the thing you can do more than one thing yeah and we again I I feel like we've put way too much pressure that your job has to be that yeah Mm. yeah that's Mm. yeah that's amazing is that because he's now working he's full-time in his calling yeah, look, I can only assume certain things as well. Yeah, now he is full-time in his calling and perhaps all of those things are making a bit more profit. Probably, I could be wrong. Sorry, Stephen, if it's not the case. I think there's still risk involved. I think, you know, there's still that thing of, well, you know, can I continue this? But, yeah. Hmm. The, the fifth point around this whole finding a passion was around expect the mutiny. And I think this is really important around all the voices that will 
rise up to say you can't do it mm. um mm. failure vulnerability sometimes it's and it's just the point around finding the truth in it but also where you need to change your own mindset to move forward on the flip side this um, sarah bessie was talking about using your community to affirm or to call out your yeah. calling yeah it's good. so sometimes you might not even recognize it in yourself but mm. other people recognize your calling instead and I think just as equally as mm-hmm. ignoring the haters, mm-hmm. sometimes we ignore the people that are calling out at calling because we're like, no, 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 I'm not, you know, that's, yeah. I'm no good at that. True. But other people are really seeing Absolutely. So, and I think this at. was actually more about your internal voice, your inner critic. Yeah, right. But I agree. I think, um, yeah, with conversations I've had, like doing some coaching with people, trying to find out what they're passionate about, we do a 360. So send out some questions to friends and colleagues yeah. and stuff and get their input around what you do great at mm. what you could work on and just really helpful to hear that back a lot of the time you go oh I knew most of that but it's encouraging mm. to, to mm. see what other people say I've definitely had that lately I've had some opportunities offered to me that I wouldn't think I was capable yeah. of yeah, but other people have seen things in me and gone I think you would fit this perfectly and it's really hard it's yeah it's humbling mm. and it's yeah, yeah it's hard to yeah absolutely but again that's also the female thing isn't it it's like that um in lean in where they talk about the harvard research review yeah. that they did around going for a job and how mm. women need to feel like they've got 100 percent of yeah. the job description absolutely. and or 90 yeah. percent and the guys are 40 i thought it was like yeah 40 to 60 percent yeah. and they go so in true. confidence and it, yeah so it's often that yeah. you need to hear someone say you could do this yeah, I think again it might be Mia who says they have the confidence of a mediocre middle-aged white, white man. I love that. Mm. Uh, I need to think about that more often. It's true. So, okay, do each of you feel like you're living out your calling in quotation marks? Mm. Yes and no. Like. I feel like I'm getting closer and I think we'll we'll hit our stride in our 40s, you know, (laughs) like getting closer to, it's about knowing who you truly are, isn't it? And being comfortable with that. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm living it out work-wise yet, but I feel like I'm further along than I was. Mm. And I feel like I'm walking and discovering more all the time. And that's the thing too about the not static thing. It's like, again, if you want to go like spiritual journey with God is that, you think you know one thing and then mm. you turn the corner and you realise you don't, you know something else, but it's truer to who you are and who you're called to be. So mm. it's that discovery process, I think. What about you guys? Mm. I, Yeah, it's a tough one. Again, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely moving closer, mm. but I feel like I don't know what I'm moving closer to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Does it bother you? Well, only when you ask me questions about it. <laughs> Only when I have a crap day at work. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, it is a, it's a continual low-lying hum, I think. It's not a bother. It's a, this must be, I don't know, maybe you do never get to the point where you're, yeah. like, totally in sync and flow with your life and who you feel like you are. But I hope to get to that point. Mm. Uh, I feel like when you recognise it in other people, but maybe yeah. they don't feel yeah, it themselves, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I do feel I, I have been paralysed, to my point at the start, because um, I do see people that it's often... No, not necessarily just guys, but guys seem to be more okay with just going for it. And mm. just I, I find myself swirling with questioning and, and that inner voice can be so 
destabilizing in a way with I do enjoy this but do I enjoy it more than that other thing and oh am I good at that or if I really tried could I be good at that do I want to be good at that and am I loving it because that's me or am I loving it because that's my calling Mm. yes and as an achiever am I loving it because other people have told me I'm good at it and therefore I just play out the role that they've given me and so it's that is I've been very um thrown I but yet I am excited about letting go of some of that and just having a go mm. and trying to move forward so I'm thinking like in line with that too I'm remembering like Glennon Doyle talks about women know how to be desired but not how to desire mm. so and I think that's even some of the problem perhaps with like if you say you know you're looking at men and they don't seem to struggle with this as much which I don't know if that's true or not I think Traditionally, men hit midlife crisis a bit more than women, and perhaps that's, or, I don't know, they cry about it more or something. But, yeah, that idea of we're continually pleasing, we're looking to please people, to be the good girl, to be liked by everyone, Mm -hmm. and we don't always know what our deepest heart desire is and what we're... And so I think that is like... That's what terrifies me. But do you feel like you're getting better at that as as you get older? I don't know. Getting better at being a little bit selfish and going after what you want? I feel like I'm getting a bit better at that now. Yeah, better. I think I'm terrified because I'm late 30s and it's I don't want to put energy into the next 10 years going down yeah. a path. But that is a scary thing. I get that. But oh. equally, it's such a privileged, stupid white girl yeah, yeah. issue. Like, I just feel stupid equally going, oh, my goodness. But that is also the thing about generation <laughs> is choice anxiety and yes. option overload. And then that has its own challenges, which yeah. are ridiculous but they are there because yeah. I and I also have a husband who's having to look after the kids so even more pressure going I could take on whatever whatever I don't know and I want to be in my sweet spot but then I also like to be stretched but then you can't live in a stretched space all the time yeah I don't know but I also what what I did find helpful in that same um sorry I'm talking a lot but that James Lawrence <laughs> article was that whole writing down not just one mission statement but looking at the different areas of your life Mm. so you know I've talked about the seven F dimensions like family friends Mm. fitness and that work is only one of those statements so there's Mm. seven or eight statements which sounds really obvious but again as an achiever type where I seem to channel into work that was a really helpful perspective to get yeah so just because it's not your work doesn't mean it's not legitimate absolutely Mm. and my calling is as much to be a mother, a wife, a friend, um, a pursuer. Yeah, I would of say that's your assignments, not your calling. I would say wife, mother, friend are assignments, you, and you pick up in different ways at different points. But your mm. calling is drilling down further into. I suppose. What it do you want for your kids? What do you want for your friendship? Yeah. Do you want to be as a wife? Yeah, but I'm. Yeah. Okay. So you, as peace and. Um, aesthetic. I think aesthetic. that was a bit of an. What does that mean as a mum, though? As a, or as a wife, are you actually saying you live that out as a mum and as a wife and as a? It means I'm noticing as I'm going around to look at schools that something that's really important to me is is this an aesthetically beautiful school? Yeah. Because I feel at peace when I'm in an aesthetically beautiful place, and mm. I feel at not at peace when I'm not, and I'm projecting that onto my child. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that that gives your life 
boundaries and makes your decisions maybe easier. Maybe not, I don't know. Or a bit pointless. But yeah. Not at all. It's important to me, so therefore it's important. Seems like it. It gives you... Um, it justifies or it gives you that's okay to choose the yeah. school that is nicer because that's okay yeah. like that's a valid <laughs> yeah thing that is yours yeah hmm. I that's fair <laughs> but that's not important to some people which is fine hmm. many people okay, so, yeah. 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 Indeed. <laughs> essentially indeed many people are tut tutting and rolling their eyes right now <laughs> How did you drill down to get to those? I literally had like 20 different things. So it's kind of like things that you enjoy doing, things that you find yourself doing, jobs that you've done, and you just keep going the next layer down. So um, I'm a teacher. Um, Why did you get into teaching? Because I had some great teachers. (laughs) I had some great teachers that were influential growing up. What was important about being influential? Having... Um, encouraging other people why do you want to encourage other people because it makes me feel good but it helps them along in their journey why is it important to help them along in their journey because I don't want people to feel floundering what's it like when people flounder they don't feel at peace like yeah so it's kind of like the common thing it's yeah and that's I was quite surprised at drilling down to all those things Mm. I think there were some other things in there too I can't remember there was like yeah maybe three or four themes that just kept coming up over and over again yeah yeah that's good what did you guys want to be as kids? And has that any bearing on what you are doing or your calling or your jobs? Mm. I think I think the kid thing is quite powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, I sold lemonade and made scrunchies and <laughs> like, I was a businesswoman. Okay, I'm feeling a bit terrified because my children want to um, be YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> they could, Tam. Don't stifle their dreams. <laughs> I don't sell scrunchies these days. Yeah. They're not in fashion, sadly. Or they actually they're coming they're back. Coming, they've come they're back. Yeah. Back. But I, we joked nice. about this. But I remember making you guys in my year ten business studies <laughs> had the idea of our cafe did not sell really great food, so I decided to sell chips and wedges one day. And I was really good at marketing it. Yes, you were. I had a line from the top of the, the, um, the home ec room all it's the way to say down. We couldn't keep up with demand. You guys were in the kitchen. You didn't do your jobs properly, did you? Oh, it was the oven's fault. The we did not have an oven. It didn't work. We sold frozen wedges. We That's sold, <laughs> we sold frozen and wedges. And was very stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was the taste tester. You made me eat <laughs> And I was just like, I don't care that they're frozen. Just get them out the door. These people take the money. They the money. Yeah, I learned a lot that I'm good in more advertising than actual business. <laughs> Let someone else do yeah. the cooking. How about you, Tim? Um, look, not surprisingly, I probably wanted to be about a hundred different things. Oh, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, I think I still could be a hundred different you things could. and find yeah, yeah. joy in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. So I don't know. Yeah. Which in light of that, it's interesting with Gen Z, which is 9 to 23-year-olds, that they're going to have five different careers and 17 jobs. Yeah. And I think Christians will be just the same. I can't imagine it being that distinctly different. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting what that means for calling. Mm. Five different careers. Yeah. That's where that whole umbrella thing Mm. makes sense. It does make more sense. And, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it gives too much freedom, though. I wonder if when you... Swapping and changing and have all that freedom. Again, privilege. You know, we have, have that privilege of making choices and swapping and changing. 
but I wonder if that takes some of the power out of it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, you don't ever get to be an expert in anything, do you? Yeah. There is something to be said for persistence too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Persisting through hard times Mm. makes you a better person. Really does it. (laughs) It it does. does. I know. What about you? You were teaching yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember you yeah, wanting to be various things, but I think the biggest one, biggest ones in high school were kind of teaching. But in primary school, I remember numerous times writing like these little essays. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a singer. Yep. Living in the country in a house with no electricity. That sums you up. It does. No technology. <laughs> no technology. Candles. Totally candles. But yeah. I don't want to live in the aesthetics. country, by the way, which is interesting. But it's the aesthetics. It yeah. was the idea yeah. again of peace. And it was singing because wow. that's the creative outlet. And that's just really helpful to go back to that. Isn't yeah. It? Bruce um, loved building things and like getting his hammer out when he was mm. a kid and doing all that. But his parent, his dad particularly pushed mm. him to do a business studies thing after school wow. which is so not him and so it was only mm. till he was 30 that he became the apprentice carpenter mm. and really found what he loved doing but if you just pause and I'm really I'm finding myself really yes. observing what my kids do at this point and trying to make myself remember to yeah. be able to help them because I remember coming to my parents when you had to make those decisions yeah. about which subjects and which uni courses mm. and go what do you think I'm good at like, yeah. I don't know I'm 16 how am I meant yeah. to know it's yes. so interesting isn't it and um I mean, I think that's the thing as parents too, and this is where I don't quite know where the line is where with the persisting thing because it's like do you celebrate their strengths and go, well, go with that. Let's not worry too much about if you get an F in maths because that's obviously not your thing. Or do you stress about it and try and get your daughter or son tutors and you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. try and pull them through. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and sometimes persistence is important and sometimes it is just, okay yeah. let go and go yeah you know what you're not going to do that yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't matter and I'm not going to make you feel bad and stressed about it I think about how stressful maths was for me in yeah. the last few years of school but we had to do it didn't we and we yeah, still we have have to, to do, do we still do have to do it at least yeah like your further maths or whatever yeah how useful have you found that? In not your useful life? at all. <laughs> exactly. What I've had to do in my life has not moved probably beyond year seven and eight maths. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from if one day when I'm going to have to help my child do her maths, <laughs> I'm going to get a tutor. Sorry. You know what would have been helpful? How about a class that teaches you about building wealth, saving, the stock market, how to get a mortgage, how to, like, what's a good interest rate? We learned rate. how to write a check. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We did. Oh, probably send it via fax to somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Anyways, we're, we're maybe yeah. off of the calling track, but I agree mm. with you. Life skills <laughs> part of calling. Mm. So all of that to say is maybe take the pressure off. Take the pressure down. Bam, 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 bam. Because I can feel it. <laughs> Down. Take the wind. Can I have a baseline? No, but I do have a choreographed dance today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like, look forward to seeing you. Face on face. Oh, dear. No, it's good. I think as well, to, again, I think this is where personality type and knowing yourself is helpful to know where your little... Um, uh, weaknesses will be like ch- that where you'll head down. So for me, it's not reflecting, not realizing what I actually enjoy doing, not taking the time to notice. So that's mm. what I need to do more of now. Yep. 
Um, and for each of us, it'll be different, I guess. Yeah, mine's definitely conf- like having the confidence to yeah. step out into the unknown. Yeah, or what what I suspect I might be good at, or what other people say. I'm, instead of going, no, 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 no mm. that's not. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Let me tell well, you back to me. <laughs> I think it is uh, finding enough things in my life that I feel like I'm holistically being true to who I am. And there's not too many areas that aren't yes. because that will Dull destroy the peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. Mm. Be true to yourself. Yeah, and make money. <laughs> yeah, the money's helpful. Yeah. So yeah, once again, show us the money disruptors. <laughs> there you go. You cannot love God and love money. Oh, so if it's loving God is actually about being true to who He called you or He or She called you to be, don't pay the bills. Yeah. God. But as you said, you can do. So say you're not. If you weren't like loving teaching. As long as you've got enough Which other things. My boss is just. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you don't. I'm saying, say in some weird say world. In some parallel world, that was not what you were energized by. But if you've got <laughs> podcasts and if you've got the beautiful yeah. um, fortnightly gathering you're doing, Tribe, yeah. and you're Correct. got a musical outlet, like, that's okay. Yes, it yes. doesn't have to be just one thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, your work doesn't have to fulfill every... Correct. Not at all. As long as it's not absolutely like you're hating every second of it and soul-destroying, yeah. then yeah, sure, that's a bit too much. Yeah. Exactly. That's good. All right. I feel energised. What do you think, Disruptors? Love to hear your thoughts on the Facebook. <laughs> and what did you do when you were a kid? Be interested. And what do you do now? That yeah. Yes, that would be good. That's the question. Yeah. That's the takeaway. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Decided. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of takeaways there. <laughs> okay, it's not the takeaway, but it's the action step. Yeah, it's the conversation starter. There we Correct. go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. See you next time. Bye. Bye.